Hello, loungers. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. This is Rob. I'm Alan. And I'm Randy. And we are the Lounge SD. Um, really quick before we get into things, I just want to give a, a special shout out to any of our new loungers that are joining um, for this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully you guys check out the back catalog. Um, for those loyal listeners from day one, you know that we were on Podbean. Um, and since then, we've been uh, we've actually uh, expanded and now we're available on iTunes and Google Play Music. Hey. Um, and one, yeah. one shout out to the, uh, to the iPhone um, fam on iTunes. If you click subscribe, that'll actually make it so that you download all of the past episodes too. So make sure you go back and listen to that catalog. Get all the inside jokes. Get all the insight. Um, yeah, just, just stay, uh, stay tuned for, for even better stuff. Um, we just want to thank you guys for your support. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy your stay tonight at the lounge. Um, uh, the topic for tonight is actually a review, our review of Ready Player One, which actually I think dropped yesterday, March 29th, um, on a Thursday. Um, but before we get into any of that stuff, we just want to do a little personal catch-up. So, Alan, how was your week, man? Uh, last week was, um, last week was good. Saturday and Sunday. Saturday I went out for my first 100-mile bike ride ever. God, that sounds um, gross. Yeah, dude, it was it. It felt gross, like, yeah, oh, my body felt gross. And then um, went out for a friend's birthday, um, and then on Sunday, I tried to run eighteen miles. Ended up running eleven because I was just so tired. My legs were just done, body was just done. Let's see. Uh, and then Monday, I was uh, I went out for a swim after work at the gym, and then. Uh, I feel like Monday morning I woke up with like a um, like a sore neck, and I think I just slept on it wrong. So Monday after work I went for a swim and just didn't feel right. Ended up ended up just messed out, like messed up, like out for a commission all week from workouts. Um, Tuesday went up to LA. Uh, I just I just want to give a special shout out to my uh, team superstar. And I want to dedicate this podcast to Celine and Ron, Ron, a close buddy of mine, Ron, who I was in Team Superstar together. Team Superstar is a car show team. And we were in this, I was in this car show team around like 2007. And if you're from the LA area, you've heard of us, I'm sure if you're in the import scene. And so Ron passed away, I think two weeks ago on April 8th, I think. And, uh, Oh no, June. Sorry, March eighth. Uh, just want to give a special shout out to those guys and uh, honor this honor this podcast to him because uh, uh, we met up on Tuesday, like the whole team as our fifteen year anniversary, and it was just it was a it was nice to know that he touched a lot of people's lives. And Celine said it best: like he, if there's one thing he wanted for everyone to do is just to have fun with their cars, and we he did just that. Like there was thirty plus. Of team superstar, past, present, and future. Um, when I say future, like prospective teammates. But it was just, it was nice. It was nice to see how many people, Ron, like how many lives Ron, Ron has touched. And that's just team superstar. We're not talking about, we're not even talking about all of the LA community, the West Coast import tuner community. But um, so, Ron, if you're out there listening, dedicate this to you, brother. Hope you're doing good. All right. Uh, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to follow <laughs> that. But 
Uh, recipes run. Uh, my week wasn't too bad. I'm trying to think of what I did. Uh, I'm going to the Philippines here in about Woo! two weeks. Yeah, actually not even two weeks now. It'll be in uh, a little over a week. So I'm getting ready for that. Uh, got all my paperwork done, tickets bought, and now it's just time to pack and get ready. Um, besides that, a lot of Fortnite. A lot of staying up late, playing Fortnite. Yes. Getting yes. dubs, getting them victory royales. Um, yep. You know, that's basically it. And, of course, you know, my usual work grind and baby grind, right? Baby um, grind? You know. So, that's basically it with me. Nothing nothing crazy. Uh, and, of course, um, watching this movie. So, so I just want to... I just want to put it out there. If you want to squad up on Fortnite or anything, I'm going to put that out there. My gamer tag on this is Alan, by the way. My gamer tag on Fortnite is I am Rinsler. So I A M Rinsler is R I N Z L E R from the movie Tron. And you can add me, squad up, catch that battle royale, catch that dub. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, we just we just caught a dub right before we started recording this. Oh, really? There you go. Uh, nice. Well, maybe not right before, but earlier in the night. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome, dude. How about you? Um, and if you guys if you guys want to add somebody on your um, friends list to see my name pop up and just watch me play a bunch of single player games, my gamer <laughs> tag. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, that does kind of have to do with what's what's new with me this week. I, I just started Horizon Zero Dawn on uh, the P4. Um, the game it looks pretty gorgeous, man. I'm a, it's a little. I was trying to hold off until I got 4K TV because I heard that's the the best way to play it. But uh, one of my buddies is playing it. He just started it also, so we're kind of trying to go on the journey at the same time and swap notes. Um, game's a lot of fun though, man. It's a it's a little crazy as far as what's going on I, uh, short from what I got gathered from like the first hour. Or so it's just like a tribal person, but it's like a crazy futuristic where everything's back to stone age or like caveman type, but there's uh creatures walking around and they're made of like technology. I don't know if I can explain it better than that. Yeah. It just sounds crazy. If you haven't played it or seen anything, you know, Google it or YouTube that up. Um, I also saw the movie Game Night this week. Ooh, yeah. and if you guys are if you guys are looking for a, a really awesome comedy along the lines of like Jumanji or um, uh, I mean it to say like a surprising comedy that throws you off, um, definitely go out and see Game Night, uh, starring Jason Bateman and um, Rachel McAdams. Super okay. funny, just. Not knowing anything about it, just watching it was was amazing. I think it's going to be one of those movies that just becomes a classic over time, uh, you know, like mm -hmm. The Hangover or something like that, where you throw it on and every all your friends just kind of gather around to watch it again. So yeah, that's that's my plug for the week. Definitely check out Game Night and pick up that uh, Horizon Zero Dawn if you haven't already. <laughs> Isn't that game like two years old? <laughs> hey man, his backlog is backed up, but his hey, man, I know, his I know, backlog is stacked saying. with. Bomb there's games, still though. there's still people out there. I don't know if it came out that long ago. I know the DLC dropped not too long ago, and it's available on the PlayStation Network for like half off still. I'm on I think it. Until, I'm on it. Yeah. Here we go. 
Let's see. It came out. Scroll to the Okay. No, 2017. There you go, man. All right. All right. Touche, Rob. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You better be sorry, bud. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So uh, we're going to get into the review portion now of Ready Player One. Um, A real quick summary of the movie. Uh, And also, I want to kind of put this front bumper on there. Uh, We're, of course, going to be discussing the movie at length. So if you haven't seen it yet, this is your one and only spoiler alert. Um, So, yeah, hop off the back of your Civic because this is the back. Oh, my God. Spoiler. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my God. And uh, (laughs) press pause on the podcast and go out and see it. Otherwise, you've been formally warned. all right, so a summary from IMDb. Uh, it says, in the year 2045, people can escape their harsh reality in the Oasis, an immersive virtual world where you can go anywhere, do anything, be anyone, but only limits are your imagination. Uh, the Oasis creator, James Halliday, left his immense fortune and control of the Oasis to the winner of a contest designed to find a worthy heir. When unlikely hero Wade Watts conquers the first challenge of the reality-bending treasure hunt, he and his friends, known as the High Five, are hurled into a fantastical universe of discovery and danger um, to save the Oasis and their world. All right. So um, if you guys haven't listened to it, uh, we had did a past episode on the Ready Player One novel by Ernest Cline. Mm-hmm. Um, so going off of that, you know, based on the movie and stuff you guys have seen in the trailer, what expectations did you guys have coming into the movie? <clears throat> my expectations were were pretty high considering like I said before in many of my in the other podcasts was I don't read books. I don't like these last couple comics that we read, the Infinity Gauntlet and the last book we read was Ready Player One. Um those are the first comic slash book that I've read in years. Like I since nursing school. I don't like I don't read books. Um so I was waiting for a visualization of this because there's only so much that can be done with the imagination. I, mean, I want to say there's so much that can be done about the imagination, but uh, I like visuals. So when I saw that there was a movie coming out last year uh, and then Randy told us and Rob told us that there was a, uh, a book that was, it was based on, like, I guess it was only a matter of time until I was forced to listen to the book the audiobook and I, I'm glad you guys forced me to listen to the audiobook because it kind of opened my eyes to this world known as Ready Player One and the Oasis. So I was I mean I was high up there and you guys know it. Like I was I was expecting greatness, but I was expecting a realistic movie adaptation. And that's my keyword is that it was a movie adaptation of the book. So yeah, I was I was expecting pretty my expectations were pretty high i'd say that my expectations were kind of all over the place um i knew that they couldn't pull off all of the references um that were in the book so as far as all the references my my expectations weren't that high uh they were still high considering the main point of the book was the references, but I knew there's no way they're going to be able to play nice with every single company. So, um, yeah, and that aspect, it wasn't as high. But 
when I saw the trailers for the first time, my expectations definitely got higher. Um, seeing everything that they were actually able to pull off, um, and especially the later trailers that came out, uh, they actually got my expectations higher because mm-hmm. I saw the changes that they did where they got newer uh, properties and made it more relevant to today's world. So the book came up or came out, what did we say, 2011? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a little dated. I, I mean, you know, compared to now, I guess you could say. But it was cool to see how they added things that are relevant today. Like he actually mentioned Twitch. Um, there was the Minecraft world, uh, mm-hmm. Overwatch characters and stuff like that. So when I saw that, it definitely raised my ex- expectations. Um, but I tried not to get them too high because I knew that they couldn't fit this entire book into two and a half hours. So I was kind of hesitant because I didn't know how they're going to pull it off. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. What about you, Rob? My expectations coming into the movie were, was that I knew it's it's kind of tough when you you know like the source material for something um and to be surprised so my expectations were coming into the film like you know uh i knew the basics like story that they the book was based on um so i knew you know they were going to have to incorporate the the bare bones of the story and so i wasn't expecting to be surprised or super wowed i you know uh i i from what I, from what we've seen from the from the trailers and stuff too, there were some good surprises in there. But uh, but as far as my expectations, I kind of you know uh, if we're doing like I guess number rating systems or something like that, I was expecting a, like a a five going into it. Like I wasn't oh. going to be surprised. Yeah, not not necessarily rating the movie, but as far as like my expectations and stuff, like I didn't think I was going to be as su- surprised and as um as hype as i was throughout the movie there it definitely caught me off guard and um and actually saw it with with my wife and it's always funny watching movies with her like for stuff that i'm into because like i have a different reaction to things and so seeing her react to certain scenes and and moments and her like freaking out whenever there's like tension or like whenever there's like a jump scare (laughs) that stuff's always fun for me because i'm like oh like i knew that part was going to happen or something um, mm-hmm. so yeah, my, so, you know, to sum it up, my expectations were, you know, I, that I knew the basic layout of what was going to happen and that I, I didn't think there was going to be that many changes or surprises from the story. Um, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll get into the differences and stuff. Um, Wait, so, move. so Angie watched it with you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she ended up meeting up with me uh, after work. It was just kind of like a, I was playing on Seattle on my own, um, and so I had let her know, and she she uh, hit me up, and she was like, "Well, I'm going to be off around that same time. Let's meet up and see it." And we have a uh, movie pass, so it makes mm. seeing movies, uh, you know, at the drop of a hat, like really easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah super easy okay. to do that stuff. Um, so we had mentioned uh, the book, and you know, there being uh, some references left out. But um, from what you guys have seen in the movie, what what was your favorite reference? Um, are we going references like to the book or like just references like to like pop culture references? Uh, we can do both. Let's let's do a, like the first round being just overall like, you know, they, they were offer, obviously referring to something and you thought that was like a nice little tip of the hat. 
what was just overall your favorite reference? <clears throat> I like. I think a lot of people overlooked, or not a lot of people, but my when I watched it with my cousins and my sister, they didn't mm-hmm. notice the thumbs up from the Iron Giant. And oh, it's that, so good! Oh my god! <laughs> like when I saw that, I giggled to myself so much, and I think I was the only person in my theater clapping. I was like, oh. <laughs> Now, bravo! Like that was such a good reference. Like, oh, so oh, you were that guy? Too. You were the clapper, huh? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I wasn't. Cla- <laughs> I cla- I don't think I clapped afterwards. That's a callback to Rob. Yep. To yeah, no, I don't. I didn't clap. I was just like, I was like, oh, that was good. I didn't clap. I was like, <laughs> but it was that. That was by far my favorite reference. Yeah, and I just want to add on there, while that was happening, like, I saw it happening, and I was like, oh, they could totally do that reference. And me and the guy next to me, a complete stranger, we both started doing the thumbs up, like, as mm-hmm. it was happening. And then we both did a little, like, clap or, like, laugh or whatever to, to it. So it was, eye it was, contact? No, no, no. We just were both, like, laughing, and then I heard him, like, whisper to, and I whispered to, uh, to my wife at the same time. We were like... It's Terminator 2. <laughs> yeah. Because obviously they didn't know what was going on. So, yeah, that was a, actually a really awesome reference. That was a good one. That was a good one. My favorite reference, and it's actually very, very subtle. Um, I don't think most people caught it, but in the basement, um, and this kind of, I don't think this is in our sequence of things that we're going to talk about but the basement in the book was kind of used more often uh for those Mm -hmm. that don't know the basement is kind of like a kind of like a lounge uh that the characters would go to and it was like a private chat room that they would hang out in um in the movie they briefly showed it they were kind of just there for i would say one scene um and in the basement, there was a poster from Back to the Future that said uh, Goldie Wilson for mayor. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I don't think most people saw it, but I saw it and it was kind of over uh, Parzival's shoulder at one at one angle. And I saw that and I was like, that's so sick that they had those little <laughs> things in there from Back to the Future because... I don't know if we discussed this before, but Back to the Future, specifically Back to the Future 2, is my favorite movie. So seeing those little things in there definitely made me excited. I'm sure you. I'm sure you got all those like those tones, like the musical tones from Back oh, to the yeah. Future, littered littered throughout the whole movie. Oh yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, yeah. that was an awesome touch. Um, yeah, yeah, that that definitely vote for uh, for Mayor Goldie Wilson. <laughs> the next uh the next election um so besides the the references already mentioned um i just want to give a shout out or uh state my favorite reference was the uh, was the bike from akira uh yes uh, that that was just really awesome to see on screen and they even did like that nasty power slide um, yeah yes. yeah yeah that was really good. So dope, and uh, I don't know. I got. I got to see. I mean, I'm sure we're gonna see this this movie multiple times. But the uh, in the in the in the anime and in the movie this time, like whenever she would speed up, it had that little like green lightning on it. And then when she was doing like jumps and stuff and like landing and like accelerating, it had that in there. And I I thought that was like a really awesome, just like a little touch that they didn't need to do, but it just goes to show like you know the the amount of people that worked on this film and had 
that like love for these references, like the thought and care that they put into each little bit and piece um, of, of this movie. Um, so yeah, uh, so that was our overall favorite reference. Um, how about like nods to the book now? What what references from the book did you guys appreciate or did you guys see in the movie? Um, one nod in the book or one nod in the movie that was a reference to the book was James Halliday's love for Rush. Dang it, you took um, mine. <laughs> did you? It was in the end, the ending scene where Parzival was in James Halliday's room and it was young James Halliday and old James Halliday. And then when they're walking around the room, you can see one poster on the wall and it was Rush, uh, the Rush poster. And I was like, that's cool. Like, like we were in the book, they were like, you know, James Halliday was this 80s buff and loved everything 80s. And um, he always mentioned how Rush was one of his favorites, like one of his favorite bands. And come to find out, <clears throat> like they're in his, I don't know, I don't know if that was like a memory or something, part of the game, but there in his room was the uh, poster of Rush. So that was that was a cool little Easter egg, if you will. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Uh, H. H is real life person. What's her name? Helen. Helen. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um. She was actually wearing a Rush shirt too, with the the symbol and everything too. I noticed that at the end. Um. But my favorite, I guess, callback to the book was. And this is still a plot point, so they couldn't really get rid of it. But the the quarter, um, it, I I liked the way they pulled it off. Uh, I knew that they couldn't really do, they couldn't film just him playing a perfect game of Pac-Man. That'd be pretty boring. Yeah. So the way that they pulled it off um, was pretty cool. I personally feel that it was a little too nonchalant. Like, it was like, oh, here's a quarter. Oh, I don't want the quarter. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really like the delivery in that aspect. Um, mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it it's kind of a nod still to the book on how he had no clue what the quarter was for. You know, it was just a quarter. So I could I can see why they went that route with the delivery in the movie. Um, and he kind of did earn it. And... Especially with the ending, with Og being the curator, it made sense. Like, Og basically gave him that extra life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought that was uh, one of the better callbacks to the book. But he did say, he did say that he was a curator and he gave him the coin because I think he believed. He said he believed in him and he didn't want to just make it sound like I'm just giving you a coin. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Um, uh, my my favorite reference from the book that was shown on film I wasn't expecting was the uh, the Vonnegut or uh, ship from Serenity uh, still making an appearance in the in the film. I didn't think that they were gonna have the rights or you know I don't know if it's in any of the uh, the promotional things like in the poster or on any of the trailers. Um, there's a there was like a brief scene where like it's entering space like it's it's traveling somewhere i forget which scene it is but you see it just a little bit and i was like oh okay that's that's the only shot we're going to see of it and then it ended up showing up in the last battle um and in a pretty nasty uh, amazing awesome sequence so 
Um, yeah. I was really glad that they were able to get the rights that way and still pay homage to the book. Um, and just to any of the fans that know where the ship's from. And, you know, if, maybe if they haven't read the book, they were freaking out that, you know, uh, Daito jumps out of it. So, yeah, um, I'm really glad that they kept that. Um, uh, with that being said, um, what was your guys' favorite sequence in the film? Oh, man. So, when we reviewed the book, I always said that my the one sequence or the one scene I was looking forward to looking at was the battle at Castle Anorak, which ended up <clears throat> which ended up being the battle at Castle Doom for the cha- uh, for the final challenge. But although that was really badass, I would have to say I would have to say the car race, the copper key race, just because like it was your first taste of a challenge, first taste of the egg hunt and how they quickly explained the six here. So it was like, you know, okay, here we are in the Oasis and here's the first challenge. And then I thought they were going to win it right off the bat. I thought they were going to win. I thought they were going to win the uh, challenge. And then Parzval just stopped right at the end. And I'm like, why is he stopping? And then um, he ends up saving Artemis from zeroing out. Come to find out no one passes Kong at the end. Then he goes back, and then they do their little James Halliday, what are you thinking kind of thing, and then he finds out. So um, that was probably one of my favorite sequences, the whole copper key race. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Alan and say that was my favorite one too. Um, for me, I mean, everything that Alan said applies as well, but to me the thing that stood out the most was the amount of chaos and how fluid it was. The race and the way that they, they, I don't even want to say filmed it because it was all CGI, but the way, I'll just say filmed it, uh, the way that they filmed it was just so smooth and uh, transitioning from one vehicle to the other and that vehicle immediately getting taken out and then another vehicle comes in and they transitioned so smoothly. It was just such a good scene. Um, mm-hmm. And watching it the whole time and seeing all of the different references flash in front of you and they were only in for a second, two seconds, and then they disappeared. You know, just to see those little things, just like, oh, oh, that was sick. Okay, continue on. Um, I think, I mean, to me, that was probably the best scene in the entire movie. Um, And I could see why it's all over the trailers it definitely hooks people. Um, and yeah, to go back to the DeLorean, the motorcycle, uh, Bigfoot, and how Bigfoot had the mods to have the uh, that grinder thing in the front. Um, yeah. And then when Parzival was collecting the coins and then he switched over to the hover mode to get underneath the I oh think it was, my god yes uh, a tanker or the something trailer like that yeah or the trailer mm-hmm. like that was nasty dude just and it, nasty the CGI was just so fluid and almost felt like like if you hadn't I mean if I had just woken up like from a coma from like twenty years ago and I saw this movie like I would have never guessed this was you know computer generated imaging yeah. Like I like it seriously looked real, and then like everything was just great. So, 
<clears throat> like the CGI was, CGI was great about this movie. Oh yeah, definitely. You could tell they just poured money into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was definitely a big part of the budget, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so I, just real quick uh, to touch on your guys's on that favorite sequence with the race. Um, one thing that I had a gripe with before going into the movie was that they had changed the copper key challenge to a race. I mean, I was fine with that, but from the trailers and just my own, um, you know, trying to connect the dots, I thought it was just like a single event where, you know, everybody knew about the race and that it was just kind of like a, a race to the finish, whoever did it. But I think it yeah. explained it in a movie that it's a constant running yeah, uh, like instance or whatever or raid or something like however you want to think about it where like you have all these opportunities it's just for five years or however long that they unlock that that clue no one's been able to do it and i thought that was genius because you know that's 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 the epitome of of you know mmos or like you know uh online games that you play with your friends and stuff is that you keep doing that same activity over and over again until you guys pass it it's like us playing raids and uh in destiny or running instances in a in World of Warcraft or something like that, where you know a certain time of day it resets, and so a it's it's that time let's let's go and try and do this race again. So you know that um, you know over the course of however long that course has been available, wow. they've been trying to to race it, and like you know they've been stopped little by <clears> little, and they get a little clue to get a little farther into the race. So they know to watch out for the for the spikes that are coming up, or to watch out for the T Rex, and so. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a really awesome ex- explanation and that kind of like set the tone for me in the movie and that like all of that stuff that I have gripes with was going to be addressed. Like anything that I had a problem with them changing, they were like, yeah, we changed it, but we're also taking you know, special love and care to, to make sure that you guys are happy with the end result. And I was, you know, it, it blew my mind how, how just that little change in dialogue and stuff um, made it so that you understood what was going on with the challenges and, that it, it made sense and it was going to look awesome. Um, but uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you guys. I want to say that my favorite sequence was actually in the the Shining, like their little yes. or homage the to, the, to the flick sync to the books. <clears throat> I, I really liked, like I said, Mike had mentioned before, my expectations going in were that I wasn't going to be surprised. Like I knew that they might do something like a flick sync kind of thing. Um, as like a throwaway or kind of like a, a callback, but they put them in the movie and it wasn't any of the movies that were mentioned in the book before. And I mean, if you have seen Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, you know, like right when they walked into the hotel and you saw like the carpet in the lobby, yeah. you were like, oh shit, it's going <laughs> to yeah. get real. It was actually, it was actually pretty funny because once they walked into that, I could hear my, I could hear the theater muttering like, oh my God, that's really The Shining. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god! Like I've never watched The Shining, but I was like, oh my god! I think it is The Shining. And yeah, then, but didn't they walk into a theater that <clears throat> says The Shining, and he picked the movie? Like, wasn't it kind of obvious that that's what they were doing? Yeah, yeah but I mean, it, but as an audience member, you don't know that, like, because I, you know, you, Shining. Well, you it, it, known bes- it was The Shining. Yeah, well, besides that, it's like you didn't know how that challenge was going to go. I guess you, it's uh, true. maybe it was. You maybe because I, I thought they were gonna go like see them on the date, and I was like, this is gonna be a weird challenge. And then yeah. it turns out that they were in the movie, and I was like, oh, like I, you know, like I said, they're they're taking things that they've changed, and they're making sure that they, you know, they there's a right reason for those changes. And I thought that was an awesome sequence. Um, in particular, the thing I liked about it the most was <laughs> there's a shot of them in IOI, and they're like bragging or talking to uh, Sorrento, and they're like, uh, we're we're already in and we just have to pass the the shining 
experience or the shining sequence and then they cut to the sixers trying to get through and like everybody's like freaking out freaking out getting scared and like automatically like getting shut down like their their uh their rigs are turning red because they're all getting like murdered in there and uh, i just love that you know uh it was the high five that got through because they knew that um that wasn't the actual challenge that was like the the bluff so i i thought that was just really well executed and uh yeah any any of the scenes inside ioi where you had the the in-game cause and then you see the reality um in irl like the effect of it i thought those were sequences were were really well done um so yeah um so speaking of you know, the flick syncs and changes they made um what do you guys think was was the worst change from the book to the movie what 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 didn't sit right with you guys I didn't like that they changed Og's birthday party. Um, so in the book, oh, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. In the book, they that little dome that they're in to like they're dancing and they're celebrating Ogden Morrow's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And in in the movie, it was just a club. I like that just didn't sit well with me, but I guess I understand it because Ogden Morrow had a lesser role. If you will, I mean, I guess until you until the end, he has a lesser role in this movie compared to the book, where he had a huge role. Um, but that was that was probably my worst change from book to movie. Yeah, for mine, it was Artemis and Parzival meeting so early um, in the and meeting in person in real life. Uh, in the book, they didn't meet until uh, I, I think it's the final chapter. Um, and in the movie, they meet, I mean, I want to say maybe halfway through the movie. Um, she basically rescues him after the stacks get attacked. Um, so I just didn't like that because it, how do I say it? It basically, that was kind of like a drive for them to finish the egg hunt and then meet each other. And then in this one, or in the movie, they met each other. And then there was no mystery. There was no, there was no uh, question on: Is it really a woman? Is it, you know, who she says she is? Um, because they already know each other, and that kind of just moves on. And the whole scene at the end of the at the end of the book with them finally meeting up and they all meet at the same time that doesn't really happen in the movie they're all just meeting at their separate times and doing their thing and i just wish that that transferred over to the movie so do you think that like it like cheapened that moment like in the book it was like this big event or at least for me it was like finding yeah. out everybody's like real life identity like yeah basically age reveal oh good Oh, no, I was just saying, like, you know, I was trying to list off things. I thought you were going to, like, finish the list. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like that, though, like, H revealing, you know, that she's actually a female and Artemis mm. there and Daito and Shoto, like, all those things happened in that one or maybe two chapters. It was huge. In the right. movie, it was kind of just like, oh, we're finally meeting. Like, we just got out of the Matrix and now we're here. You know what I mean? Like, it was... yeah kind of like that matrix scene when they finally hang out um it wasn't as impactful 
compared to the book. So yeah, that's that's where I'm going with that. All right. Okay. Uh, my change from the book to movie that I that didn't really sit well with me was the Og and Halliday relationship and how it was portrayed in the film. It I, I you know I, I might I'm gonna have to see it a second time to see how it like resolves and the way that it was it was played out. But um, from the from the initial viewing of the movie, um, I just didn't feel like it was really fleshed out. How, like their their split, if there was even a split, it seemed like Og was still kind of supporting uh, the contest regardless. Um, and like the whole Kira thing, I think was like the linchpin of their relationship. Um, I don't think was given enough uh, care to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And uh, and again, it just ended up not being the the same type of payoff. I mean, at the end of the book, you kind of figure out, you know, it's kind of like the the Harry Potter with um, what's his face, Alan Rickman's character, uh, Snape, like being in love with Harry Potter's mom. It was yep. like that kind of moment, but it it just felt cheap, and it, it we didn't get that so same short. build up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know if it's been mentioned yet in this podcast, but um, my part of my review or part of my wish for the movie is that they would have done it in more than one movie. You know, maybe not. They didn't have enough material to do a whole like trilogy and do like one key per movie. But I feel like it, they, you know, why not split it into two two books? A lot of like, uh, you know, the Hunger Games or like Harry Potter, they they did fine splitting into two, and everybody knows that it's you know you watch the two movies in sequence so i don't i think that's something that you know they could have done and the movie wouldn't have suffered from from feeling like it was too rushed or like we didn't get the same payoffs that we did um so yeah that was that was my you know big change from the book to the movie that i didn't didn't really like too much but um Wait, how about quick, just real quick yeah, yeah, before yeah. you switch i i was thinking about that how they could have stretched it out as far as instead of one movie maybe three movies i think the only way to really do the book justice and get the amount of detail is to do maybe a short tv series maybe like one season 10 episodes and you can really like flesh out every chapter or every scene you know what i mean because I yeah. feel like the amount of detail that was in the book and how far they explain things, mm-hmm. even in three movies, would be tough. I think if you really, did, yeah, I think so. The amount of detail and the um, how I mean, I'm gonna say detail again. How how detailed the scenes were in the book. I mean, that could take time. You know, all the conversations that they had. Um, would take a while it would basically be the audiobook you know what i mean like and the audiobook was 16 hours and if you could short obviously take some creative liberties on how they explain it you can just make it visual um but do 10 one hour episodes you know bump it down to 10 hours and really get everything in there i think that would make the book readers happier um, but obviously mm-hmm. it would take way more money and all that good stuff yeah no i i mean uh, so you agree that 
they could have they 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 should have spent more time or it should have been over at least more than one movie but your your solution would have been to do it as like a netflix like one season yeah or like hbo or something like that yep. okay exactly okay. yeah no i mean i'm all for them expanding and, and making this take a really long time and who's to say say that in the future they don't reboot this in like 10 or 20 years on like yeah, a right. 20th anniversary and we do get what we want um i think i mean I, and i I'm, this is going off you know virtually no research but um <clears throat> i think part of the reason that they didn't do it in such a expanded universe or like a expanded uh storytelling with like you know a tv show or multiple movies is that maybe they didn't have a lot of faith in the movie at first in that like they are going to spend a bunch of money on the visuals and stuff already so they were like you know i don't know if we can spend that much money and do 10 whole episodes like 10 hours worth of of content or something versus like two hours you know what i mean yeah i can see that Um, yeah and I mean, they they also have to pay for like the rights and stuff. But I feel like this is a good way to show that that anything. I mean, this is basically like free advertising for any of the references that are in the movie. Like, I want. I'm curious to see how how the sales of the movie The Shining skyrocket after this movie comes out. Like, how many <laughs> how many people are going to go and like rent it on Amazon? You know what I mean? Like, I'm I, I'm sure there's going to be some metric or some some showing of like this movie having an influence on on the pop culture that it's referencing yeah um, i can see that and so yeah so hopefully you know we do get a reboot or a different you know a different storytelling down the road um maybe we do get a tv show and and all of our dreams come true but yeah no i i uh well i'm glad you see in my way that it it could have been told over a longer uh period of time um so moving from stuff we didn't like that they changed from the from the book to the movie what were some things that you guys did? I know some of the things we've already mentioned before, but what were some of the changes that you guys did enjoy from the book to the movie? Um, one of the changes that I did enjoy was IROC. Um, I was I was actually surprised that IROC had a bigger role in the movie than he did in the book. In the book, he was kind of just the school bully, I guess, the school troll, I guess right, you could yeah. say. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I like that. In the movie, he was kind of Sorrento's spy inside of the Oasis. Um, Iraq found out who he was, who Wade was, sorry, who Parzival was, and figured out it was actually Wade. And then he did all the footwork and said, okay, I, you know, I cross-reference all X1 um, purchases and cross-referenced uh, names for Wade and who purchased an X1, and it find out to be um, it's Wade Watts, and he did all the groundwork for that, all the footwork, and he was just this big bad. And then um, he actually he actually played a decent role in this. So like, I was actually pretty surprised that Iraq had a had a big role in here. I was surprised on how well the race was um, when we first found out that they got rid of the gate for the copper key. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of up in arms about it um, because obviously, like we mentioned earlier, we weren't sure how they were going to pull off the race. Was it going to be a one-time thing? Was it a recurring instance like we just went over? Um, We didn't know. And then the way that they pulled it off, I thought it was great, Um, especially how 
Parzival solved it. I mean, it was... If you look back at it, it's a pretty simple puzzle. Um, he just went backwards. But it took him five years to figure that out. And it's it just goes to show that they changed it. But it was still complex to the point where it took them five years to figure out to go backwards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so I thought that was that was a really good execution. And then, of course going back to how they executed it from the get-go with the race and the cinematography and all that stuff and the references. Um, I thought that was, that was just spot on. Yeah, no, I, I did really like how they, how they made that change. Um, and like you said, I think I, everybody in my theater pretty much freaked out when he did start going backwards and like the, the little gate like drops down. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean by like not being surprised or like one thing that I did appreciate was they like they kept the bare bones of the story there. You know that yeah. Parsifal like went in the book even he uh, he like goes back and like finds that hidden like loophole or the thing that everybody's been overlooking. And that's how he's able to solve the first puzzle. Um, so I thought that was a really, really awesome change too. Um, one thing that. I really liked that was a, a change from the from the book to the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Was well, it was again the uh, the shining uh, flick sync. Uh, I mean, I can't go over how how badass that was. Um, one thing that we haven't mentioned yet was that they uh, they made it so that H wasn't wasn't also a huge expert on the holiday stuff. You know, mm-hmm. in the book, yeah. they make it so that Parsifal and Artemis and H, like they're all pretty like equally matched. Pretty much like all of the Gunters are, uh, you know, equally matched in how much they know about Halliday. <laughs> but for H not to know anything, and for him to be thrown into or her to be thrown into that flick sink, and then it was kind of like you know someone had mentioned it on uh, on the subreddit for the for the film, mm-hmm. where it's a different, a different like a different take on a scene like that where. The, the person in the movie has no idea what's going to happen, but the whole audience knows, like, dude, you're in for some shit. You just walked into room 237. It's going to get nasty. Um, so that was that was one big change. Um, and again, a really awesome sequence that I enjoyed from the, from the book to the movie. Uh, I also wanted to ask you guys, what would you have wanted to see from the book that, that didn't end up making the cut into the film? Let's see. So we talked about the worst change was, well, my worst change was Ogden Morrow's birthday party, but they actually played that pretty well in the movie. I w- I'm probably gonna have to go with Ogden Morrow still. Like I like that was such a pivotal moment, and the fight that Artemis had, the fight that Artemis had with Parzival in the movie was just was kind of just anticlimactic, and it kind of felt like it kind of felt like the you know the geek was you know saying his love to saying his love to this online girl that he's never met and it was kind of just like a short like kind of a short thing so again you guys were talking about how you guys would have wanted would have wanted to see this drawn out like either in multiple movies or in a tv show season like i felt like that could have been you know a couple episodes in itself you know saying how saying how artemis and uh what's his name parzival just fell into this love into this relationship yet they just 
like in the book they were oh my god i'm like rambling here in the book <laughs> god i'm so sorry in the it's book good, they man. were yeah yeah in the book they were like they were like deeply in love it all it almost felt like like i just felt like they had that connection but then once parzival professed his love to her she was kind of out of it like she's like no like you can't do this like you're getting in the way of between me and the hunt and mm-hmm. you know it was this huge epic change of events that led to him you know kind of led to his downfall and kind of has led to his rising because he he like totally changed after that you know um in the book at least and in the movie like they killed his wife or ioi killed his aunt and her his aunt's boyfriend and then he was all shaken up goes back to his little van and gets drugged up and taken to the quote-unquote rebellion and that was it like you don't she he doesn't mention his aunt and her boyfriend until towards the end of the movie again and i was like okay so you just forgot about you know you just forgot about your aunt and your boyfriend her her boyfriend who just got killed like i just felt like that that scene in the book was just a bigger was bigger than what was portrayed in the movie so i would i would have wanted to see seen more about the building of the relationship between Artemis and uh, Parzival. Oh, really quick before before anybody gives his answer, uh, Alan, did you feel like he said "I love you" too soon? I know that's been like a topic of debate in the forums. Um, no, I don't know if he said it too soon. Like we've talked about it on the side before, but there was kind of no sense of time in right, this, right. you know, in the movie. So. Mm-hmm everything felt kind of rushed and there was no sense. Like, again, there's no sense of time. We don't know how long this takes over how many days it takes or hours it takes. It kind of just happened. Um, but I, you know, the way I feel about that is that when you're playing video games, like even not virtual reality, but like when Randy and I are playing video games, we're, you know, we log on around eight thirty at night and the next thing you know, it's 12 o'clock. Like, so there we lose track of time. Uh, in the quote-unquote oasis like you know we lose (laughs) track we lose track of time doing the things we love to do doing the things that detach us from reality and that's what the oasis was about we're being detached from the oasis uh from reality so um do i feel like he said it early uh i mean in the book in the book like they kind of build this relationship and you he kind of professed that like he's this huge fanboy for Artemis and you know followed her blog and in the race he kind of said you know hey like you know I, I followed your I follow your Twitch streams blah 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 and and he was just he was kind of fangirling in front of her and you know he said they're back in H's garage and they had their little encounter and she touches his hair and you know she goes I'll see you at the finish line McFly and like he's you know he's like love struck like he doesn't know what to do and as a you know as a nerd and as a gamer who's who's been who's met people online i guess as a person who does online dating like i could see how somebody would be attached who's who ha- who doesn't have that social interaction with people you know what I mean? right you yeah, know, yeah and in but the I, oasis I, real quick i think it's i think people have a hard time with the movie and thinking that He's saying it early. It's just because the pace of the movie. Um, yeah, so that's what I was saying. Like, there's, yeah. there's no, like, 
there's no sense of time in, in the movie. Like, there's no sense of pace. Like, it, what, I mean, you don't, you don't even see, like, the light and the day. You know, you always see him, like, sleeping on his little, his little washing machine, like, a couple times. That was it, you know? Like, you only see, other than that, everything was daylight or in the oasis. Like, there was no sense of time. We don't know how long time has, how much time has passed between getting the copper key, the jade key, and the crystal key. Like, there's, there's mm-hmm. no sense of time. So, I guess that's why a lot of people are up in arms about it. It's because they, we don't know how long it took for him to say, I love you. And it felt like he just right off the bat said, I love you. Um, but what I'm saying is, you know, he just, he felt like he had this connection. He was so infatuated with this quote unquote Artemis and not Samantha, you know, and he, and that's what she was saying. It's like, you don't love me. You love the thought of me. You love the idea of me, but you don't love me. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, like, I feel like he said it early in a sense that like, I would have never, would have never said it that early, but it made sense that he did say it early because she, that kind of drew the reaction that he got out of her. I so think was, it, well, real quick, I think in the book, what the time gap between the copper key and the jade key was what, like six or seven months. It was a long yeah, time. Enough. Yeah. They had enough time to like date and stuff for a pretty good amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. So, they they kind of just I mean, forgot about the race. They forgot about the hunt. Yeah. That you know? was when he was building up uh, his apartment and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, and actually, I think during that time they broke up. Actually, um, in the book. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I get it. I I see why people can be a little concerned about that because yeah, you can't tell in the movie how long has passed. Um, but I think people just need to take a step back and be like, wait, you have two and a half hours. They're trying to get everything in there. And, you know, just because it happened 45 minutes into the movie doesn't necessarily mean it happened 45 minutes from the beginning the of mo- the whole yeah. story. Yeah. Um, so I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, I, I only really I bring it up is because uh, the someone's point of view was that if you imagine Parsifal as he's portrayed in the movie, he's like this, like you said, this huge like fanboy for Artemis. Um, and not only that, he's, he's a socially awkward guy and how many, mm-hmm. you know, movies or, you know, maybe even drawing from our own experiences, have you been like that lonely dude who like meets his idol or his, you know, dream yeah. girl. And of course, mm-hmm. if she's like even showing a, the, the tiniest bit of interest in you, you're going to, you know, fall down, uh, you know, jump through fire or whatever for, her. and that's exactly what Parzival did. Like the first sign of an, uh, affection that she showed. He was already mm-hmm. like, I'm down for you. Like, cross my heart, hope to die. And I mean, and I come think... on. Like, she was all feeling him up. And oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh she my went God, in between yeah. his legs and everything. I was like, yeah, was whoa, crazy girl. Dance. I'm like, jeez, girl, you, you little freak, huh? Yeah. Hard to miss. Dang, she was like, do you feel this? I was like, whoa. You nasty, I'm like, this is PG-13. Girl. I got to cover my cousin's eyes real quick. Like, jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that that haptic suit. By the way, they, the way they portrayed the haptic suit was great in the movie. Oh yeah, especially when Sorrento was getting beat up. <laughs> that was sick. That was ill. Yeah, that was. And then, he, and then Sorrento was walking out of his little pod, and he like falls down because he still has the <laughs> haptic suit on. That was great. So uh, I think it was Randy. Like, would you? What would you have wanted to see from the book, and that oh, didn't yeah. make the cut in the movie? Yeah. Shoot. Sorry, I forgot. Um. 
for me, it was the, I'll call it the giant fight. Like when they had all the, the mechs and all that stuff, the scene at the end of the book that wasn't in the movie. Well, at least it was in the movie, but it wasn't to the same extent. I mean, in, mm-hmm. the, in the book, you had all the characters, which I'm sure they couldn't pull off probably because of licenses. Um, but in the book, all five characters had their their robots or mechs or whatever you want to call them. And they were just duking it out, which was sick. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty bummed that it wasn't on that big of a scale as far as that many mechs fighting. But on the good side, we got to see, what was it, three characters? Because it was um, the Iron Giant, the Gundam, and then Mechagodzilla. And mm-hmm. the the fight was satisfying. I mean, I was under the assumption that at the end, when Artemis threw the, uh, I think it was a grenade, into the eye of Mechagodzilla, I would think that, uh, what's his name, Sorrento died, but he didn't because he came back later. Because I thought when the characters blow up, they're dead and they can't revive. But mm-hmm. no, he came back later and was running around doing his thing. So I didn't really know what happened there, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, that was the part that I missed. For sure, man. Okay. Um, for me, for the uh, one thing I did, I did it that uh, sorry that I wanted to see from the book that didn't make the cut. Uh, we've mentioned it a little bit here. Was Wade on his own, like when he gets his own apartment? And his own haptic suit and everything. Um, and tied to that was the whole infiltration of IOI. Um, we got the like the cinema version where we had um, Artemis infiltrating the base instead. But um, I I really I kind of enjoyed that part of the book where it was like Wade kind of beat down and kind of like at his lowest level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no friends. And I think before he does it, like uh, he's even moved down the boards. Um, as far as like, you know, he's not, he's no longer number one. I think Artemis or, or H or somebody like beat him out. I think Artemis is number one or something. And then to top it off at the, you know, while he's infiltrating the base, uh, IOI, they actually saw that, that last clue and, uh, and they're on the board first. And so, yeah, it, it was, uh, that's just one thing that, I mean, I knew they were going to pull off and from like the trailers and everything, I knew he didn't have like a bald head and he wasn't like super fit. So I knew that they were going to show that, that scene from the book. Yeah. But, um, mm-hmm. I, I was just a little bummed that we didn't get, get that same, same, uh, payoff even because, you know, the whole reason that Parsifal got arrested, hacked their system and everything, it was a really cool plan, kind of like an Ocean's Eleven, like heist kind of thing. And you know we missed uh-huh. out on the on the Johnny Five saving the day by taking down that orb of Osseo Vic Vox or whatever it was called. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I, I do understand that they had to take some creative liberty. Um, they had to make some changes. And again, you know, I can't echo enough that you know the changes that they did make ended up paying off and, and still being super satisfying. Yeah, um, I think. So yeah. I think it was still a pretty good execution as far as that orb. Uh, mm-hmm getting shut down i mean she still you still had someone infiltrate and i mean instead of a delivery she 
I guess, delivered her little drone over there <laughs> and was talking into it. So I thought that was still pretty cool. But like you said, it just wasn't the same, uh, the same, uh, I don't want to say it, like, excitedness? Is that a word? Payoff? Yeah, I Climax? guess so. Okay. Yeah, no. All right. Um, so one of the last questions here, you guys. Uh, favorite character from the movie? Uh, favorite character from the movie, uh, just like the book, I'm going to go with Parzival. Um, he was he was just kind of like, he was kind of almost exactly like how I portrayed him in the book. You know, this little outcast who doesn't really have any like social skills, just keeps his little buddy um, H. Um, but this really nerdy dude who understood games well had you know had a fascination for james halliday and and everything james halliday loved like the 80s um and he he, i mean he drove the delorean you know (laughs) and he like in the i want i I just want to keep saying the battle for castle at castle anorak but it's not but in the final battle i mean he's running he's driving the delorean with the door up and he's shooting a, like it was awesome when they're like rail gun and like hands him a rail gun and he's like taking out the ioi sixers and they cut to the real world when all the sixers go out in the line like that was super sick yeah um uh and then h was like here take this and hands him chucky and then <laughs> and then the only time you know it's a pg-13 movie so i think they used the f-bomb twice but they used an F-bomb in that one when the Sixer was like, fucking Chucky! And then, uh-huh. you know, and, uh, oh man, like, everything about Parzival, just like, like, I loved everything about Parzival, uh, Wade Watts. Uh, I liked, um, especially, I especially liked his speech to the Gunters. Uh, I was, I had goosebumps the whole time he was speaking, um, and, it kind of had the sense when he was done with the speech, like, okay, no one's really going to show up. And then you can hear the thunderous, the thunderous roar of everyone's feet coming over, you know, covering, uh, coming over the planes. And it's just like, dude, that, that was super sick. His delivery was super sick. And then he holds up another reference. He holds up the, um, the radio. Oh man. I, I don't know what eighties movie that is. Uh, say anything. Say anything. Is it? Yeah. So he yeah. holds up the movie, uh, the radio, like say anything, and then, like they're, you know, they're again '80s reference and takes off into the battle, and it was just awesome. So he's my favorite character. Uh, I'm gonna go with Artemis. I think Artemis Ooh. was pretty dope. Uh, I think that she was portrayed well. I think that uh, it was executed pretty cool. Um, and. I mean, let's be real here. She was pretty hot, so you know. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. yeah. I, I think I think she just did a good job. The actress did a good job. Um, the especially the scene where she's um, hiding out in IOI, hiding from uh, what was his name? Um, Sorrento. Uh, Sorrento. Yeah. Uh, when she was hiding out from him, like she just pulled off the fear pretty well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Artemis. Nice, man. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to give it to Irock, man. That was, he was probably my favorite character in the movie. Rob with the random characters, man. I know. Always. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, I, 
I heard that he was in it, and I thought he was going to be the lame school like bully, the one that just like rats out that he knows yeah, Wade. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was like, that's going to be lame. But he turned out to be like a big baddie, and uh, he was just a really awesome like executioner. Comedic, and, uh, yeah, he was an awesome comedic presence. Like his he definitely comedy. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, T.J. Miller, man, like hats off to him. Every movie he touches is like his comedy is gold. Like Big Hero Six. Uh, Deadpool, now Deadpool 2 coming out in May. Um, like everything he touches is like funny, dude. Cloverfield. Hey. <laughs> oh my god. I was hey. like, wait. Oh yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he also has a line in there where like it really, I, I don't know if you guys got the sense too, but like in the film, like zeroing out fucking sucks. Oh in this yeah, movie. I'm sure. And, uh, oh my god, when he said that, I was like, oh no, like, he's like, dude, I have ten years built into this character. <laughs> I was like, oh no, like, the Cataclysm, like, it's gonna ruin everybody. He's like, whoa, I didn't know I was gonna sign up for this. Like, you said it was just a, was it, um, like, a bluff, you were just bluffing. And then yeah. he, uh, when he exploded, like, you could see all of his artifacts just dude, explode out of him. Dude, he had a lot. He had a lot of pile of, stuff, of coins. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, shields, like, artifacts, and I was like, dude, that sucks. And, like, we all, we've all gotten, I'll just use Destiny as an example. Like we all got to a point where in Destiny, we were just like these badass guardians. And we were just, we had hours upon hours upon hours of of loot that we acquired over, you know, a couple of years worth of gaming. And then if somebody were just hit a button and erase all that, dude. <coughs> oh, <coughs> I'd be too. pissed. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like you know I made mean? it like, a point to try to collect all the exotics and if i lost all of that oh my god it's just, yeah you're just you're erasing like years like you know a couple years worth of memory and then you know when i rock said like dude i have 10 years of built into this character you kind of just as a gamer you're like oh dude the feels like that sucks Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's, that's everything. I didn't. I didn't know if you guys had any more stuff to add. Uh, so yeah, I rock. Fantastic character. Uh, overall, you guys, what did you think of the movie? I'm just gonna preface this by adding the question: Is it a banger? Ooh. Um, Smash and bang is my favorite combination, dude. It is a banger. It's a schmanger, dude. I, I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, you guys know it. Um, it does have its flaws, um, but I just, had, you know, Steven Spielberg, man, like I just had a lot of fun watching it, you know, and as a gamer that grew up around the games and the references that were in this movie, Street Fighter, Battletoads, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, there was Hello Kitty in there, the Spartans from uh, the Master Chiefs from Halo, like it was just, it was awesome to see all of my, I wouldn't say childhood, but a lot of my you know, a lot of my uh, video gaming memories like plugged into one movie and it just, it was awesome to see that battle um, at the end there. And then it was just, man, I just had a lot of fun. So I, I, it, it is a banger and I, man, I'm just excited. I'll probably watch it again. I'm going to say it's a banger. Um, I, it, it, watching it, it's, it's the movie for gamers and i feel like it was by gamers as well um all the references and like i mentioned earlier the fact that they updated it to keep it current 
just makes it so much better because you add more fans you know if they mm-hmm. kept it only 80s to 80s. early 2000s like yeah it you know you'd lose a generation of people um but the fact that they updated it to make it relevant with overwatch which overwatch we know is killing it right now uh when it comes to competitive gaming you know um that's huge minecraft is minecraft huge. world yeah, yeah like just those little references and you know the little thing about twitch that just got way more people involved and um just to rope people in like that it it it, they killed it um another thing too that i wanted to touch on was the fact that this just goes to show how mainstream video games have become it went from guys like halliday that were hiding and alone and playing these games by themselves to the oasis which is a video game and now everybody's in on it you know what i mean so the fact that they were able to capture that and make it into a movie and kind of put that to light just definitely makes it a banger bro (laughs) well said man well said i felt the passion (laughs) um I'm gonna have to agree, man. I, I crossed the board, so that's that's three bangers uh, or three votes for it being bang, a banger. Bang. I a hundred percent agree. Um, it is a great movie. Um, it's the action and the uh, the story never really like have any lulls or never really let up. It just kind of keeps going, and it's just moving from one awesome action piece to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just so ill, and yeah, I'm you know uh, we're gonna get to this question or we can just answer answer it now but um are you guys planning on watching it again and lastly would you guys recommend the movie um i would definitely watch it again um strictly because of all the references that i may have missed in the first one you know i kind of want to watch go back and watch the shining because i've never watched it just so i can get that i can get those scenes like those like those scenes were iconic so i knew what was happening but um like, I just want to know, like, the gist of it now, because there was other scenes in it that I didn't know. But um, for all, just for all the references that I may have missed, I'll watch it again. Would I recommend it? I will, and I did. Um, paid. I mean, I got my sister and my two cousins out there to watch it with me, and they loved it. Um, and, yeah, I would watch it again, and I would recommend it. I would definitely watch it again, and I would recommend it. Um Honestly, it's currently with the uh, the work grind and the baby grind. It's tough to see movies. Um, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll be able to see it again when it's in theaters. But it's, uh, it's a must cop. You know, I got to go out there and buy the Blu-ray when it comes out. And, Especially uh, with the Back to the it. Future references, man. Oh, yeah, exactly. Just that alone, I'm like, oh, sold. So I definitely recommend it. Um, just a quick caveat. Um I don't want to portray it as the best movie ever. Oh, man. The movie definitely (laughs) did have its flaws. I'll say that. Um, Mainly, I think the biggest flaw was the pacing. You know, that that we've mentioned throughout this whole episode. That there's so many things that they could have fit in there. And they just couldn't. Um, And I get that. And I understand that. It's just, we want more. And it's just a little tough to get so i get that um Mm -hmm. but you know movies like this and 
and we kind of understand that this is going to happen, they have their flaws. So it's not a perfect movie, but I'll take it. Yeah, and uh, I agree with you guys on that front, too. Um, I'm definitely going to have to see it again at least one more time in theaters. Uh, I might try and make it out. A lot of people have been raving about seeing it in IMAX or 3D or at least in like the Dolby Shake seats or something, too. So I might have to see it, uh, you know, with a little bit different uh, different viewing. Yeah, right, than just regular standard. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to recommend it. I mean, I brought my wife who hadn't read the book and who actually thought it, like the trailers and stuff were lame. She thought it was going to really? be, yeah, I mean, she's not a gamer by any stretch. Um, so it, it's for her to see the movie and still have those moments of excitement and, and fear and, uh, you know, uh, still getting the story overall. She did have some questions for me. And like, to be honest, like I couldn't really answer them because mm-hmm. I didn't see them either. She did ask me in one of the scenes, there's a, where H is talking to the police at the end. And they said, somebody sent in a confession from, um, from Sorrento's office. Do you guys remember what he confessed to doing or like how that played? In the they, book, it was the footage of him killing uh, Daito, or Daito. Daito. Right, right. But in the but in the movie, did he confess to anything or I guess he I confessed think, to kidnapping Samantha, but I don't think that was it, wasn't it? I think he might have confessed to um to taking all those people like saying like oh you, you got to pay off your debts so you got to uh, work in the okay. loyal center and then gotcha. um you know that all no, worked out no he confessed he confessed to blowing up the stacks be, and he even said oh, that that okay. was that was the corporate decision or something like that uh, i remember he mentioned something like that so i think that's what it was yeah. okay yeah I, I couldn't i couldn't remember i couldn't do that callback um, to that, so you know, kind of harping on what you were saying, uh, Randy, that the uh, the pacing was a little off. Um, it, it it just feels like some of those scenes were kind of rushed or kind of just glossed over really quickly, to where you mm. didn't really let that stuff kind of to settle in as much. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, st- I still think it was a, a fantastic movie. Someone had posted before, and I completely agree with it. The movie has ten out of ten moments, but they're all it's also mixed in with some like seven out of ten moments as well. Yeah, so, I think that's a good um, way to put it. Yeah, so I mean, you're, you 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 come you 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 go and see it for the visuals, but you definitely stay for the references and the the surprises and stuff. Uh, overall, yeah. really great film. Um, yeah. And I think we're gonna, if unless you guys have any other last last announcements or last uh, things you want to talk about, we're gonna have to get on to some trivia. Yeah. So, um, Randy, do you have any questions or want to say anything regarding? Uh, no. Ready, player one. No. Okay. No, All right. So we're gonna get into some trivia here. And I'll be hosting this trivia. Uh, and in the past, uh, Randy has taken off first, but this time around, I'll have Randy start first. Oh. So, okay. so what I'm gonna <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so what I'm gonna have Rob do is I'm gonna have Rob step off, and then it's just gonna be like regular trivia. I'm gonna ask Randy a question. Randy's gonna have to answer, and then I'll have. Um, I'll have Rob come back, and then I'll have Randy leave, and then uh, I'll ask Rob the questions. We'll all come together, and we'll go over the answers together, okay? So, Rob, I'll message you in a little bit. All right. And, have all fun. Right. Thanks. Good luck. Good luck, player. Jesus. All right. <laughs> so, all right, Randy. So, uh, this is general trivia questions regarding Ready Player One. 
There's going to be 10 questions here with opportunities for extra credit. Wow. Um, yeah, so here we go. Question one, and I, there's no really time constraints here. We're just going to go on, and if you pass it, you pass it. If you don't, you don't. Okay. Yeah. Um, question number one, how did Samantha's dad die? Wait, yeah, we're talking just movie, right? Oh, yeah, just movie. This is all movie now. I don't know either way, but I just had to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, we're talking about the movie, right? Because I don't know anyway. Yeah. All right. So that's a pass? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. How old was Show? Uh, 11. All right. Um, yeah, Shoto. Daito. Not even Shoto, dude. They changed it to I know. Show. God. What the heck? Um, what form did Samantha take to steal Z once they, f- once they had won the first key? Dude, that scene was sick. It was Goro. <laughs> man. Yes, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. That was like... I was like, "What the heck?" All right. Um, and what was the what was the game that was played in the final challenge? Adventure. All right. Um, Nolan Trento had a password to get into his pod, and what was it? Oh, it was like Bossman sixty nine or something like that. I know the S's were fives, um, but I think it was sixty nine at the end. Yeah. So Bossman sixty nine. Okay. Um, do you want to try spelling it out? Because that's extra credit. Oh. B0... Oh, no. Yeah. B055 M... Ooh. Uh, was it the at symbol? Uh, no, I think it was just an A N69. Alright. Um... So, Z tries to catch Sorrento off guard with a little holiday knowledge and ask him about these two John Hughes-directed films. What films were these? And you'll get one point for each film. Uh, The Breakfast Club and uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All right. So, at James Halliday's funeral, he had a theme. What was his theme? He had a theme? Oh, Star Trek. Yeah, it was all Star Trek stuff. Okay. What was on Parzival's belt buckle? Oh, he had the Thundercats logo. <laughs> and uh, during the first race for the Copper Key, Z chooses to be in the back of the race. Why? And why did he choose to do this? Oh, because uh, he needed gas money, basically. So he was waiting for people to die, and he was swiggity swooting on them uh, coins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he was feeding right. his gas tank as he went along. All right, and on what planet or world did the final battle take place? Uh, I think it was like Castle Doom or Planet Doom. Something Doom. <laughs> Something Doom. Okay. Yeah. All righty, and then I'll bring Rob back. So that was all the questions with all the extra credits. So, so Rob. All right, I will be... Oh, wait, do I have to go? Uh, Yeah, you can go. Um, all But right. um, let's see. But I, I haven't tallied up your, your answers yet, so don't That's get all fine. too hype. That's fine. I, I already know I'm going to win anyways. So. Dang! You know. Okay, bro. <laughs> you know. All right. Where's Rob at? Where's Rob at? There he, there he is. is. Making all that noise. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, oh I'll be gosh. back. All right. All right, all right Rob. So there's uh, 10 questions with opportunities mm-hmm. for multiple 
uh, for uh, extra points. There's no yes. time limit. And if you pass, you pass. If you want to answer it, you can answer it, okay? Cool. All right, so how did Samantha's dad die? Uh, he died in a, oh, I keep calling them learning centers. I forget what they're called, but the IOI, what are they called? Damn. Uh, man, wherever those the centers where you have to like pay back your debt. I forget what they're called, man. Loyalty centers. Okay. okay. How old was Show? Show was 11, bro. Okay. Uh, what form did Samantha take to steal Z once they had won the first key? Goro from Mortal Kombat, and then she also turned a little bit into one of those aliens from Alien. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what was the game that was played in the final challenge? Uh, it's called Adventure. Okay. All right. So Nolan Sorrento had a password to get into his pod, and what was yes. it? It was 87. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know the answer to that, dude. You don't? <laughs> I don't on it. You're talking about the one that was like on a post it? Yeah, dude, mm -hmm. I don't remember off the top, dude. Yeah. Okay. Um, Z tries to catch Sorrento off guard with a little Halliday knowledge and asks him about these two John Hughes-directed films and which films were these. And you get one point for each film. Oh, man. Uh, I think one was Breakfast Club and the other one was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. Um, at James Halliday's funeral, he had a theme. What was this theme? Star Trek. All right. What was on Parzival's belt buckle? Uh, it was the Thundercats logo. Uh, during the night, so number nine, during the first race of the Copper Key, Z chooses to be in the back of the pack. Why is this? Uh, he needs to scrounge some coin for fuel. Okay. And last question on what planet or world did the final battle take place? Uh, it took place on, I think it's called Doom World, or whatever the Doom theme planet was. Cool. Alrighty. So let me message Randy. Randy, come back. Yeah, man, that Goro scene was pretty ill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, was a little surprised. surprised. Like, when, <laughs> oh man, when that, when the alien came out, and then Goro kind of just fell off, and it was Artemis. Like I was, I was really surprised that they actually had, they actually pulled that off in the movie. Like I was really surprised they pulled that off. Yeah, I thought that was dope. Oh, hey, all right. Hi. Hello. <laughs> all right. So we're gonna go over the questions and the answers together. Ooh. Yay! All right. So, <laughs> yay. so the first question was, how did Samantha's dad die? Randy, you did not answer. I did not. Rob, you said loyalty center, and that's correct. Oh, oh. you're right. Dang it. He never got out. No. Yeah. Um, and second question was, how old was Sho? Um, and both of you answered correctly, 11. Uh, what form did Samantha take? take to steal Z once they had won the first key? Both of you guys answered Goro. Both of you had uh, mentioned the alien, which was not an extra credit, but that was awesome that you guys both mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fourth question was, what was the game that was played in the final challenge? And both of you answered correctly. Adventure. Uh, the fifth 
question with extra points added was Nolan Sorrento had a password for his pod. What was it? And the answer was Bossman69 with a capital B, 055-MAN69. And Randy got, Randy got that right. I got it close, yeah. Yeah. Well, nice. I, I, didn't, wasn't, I wasn't asking like, like uppercase and lowercase, but you got you did get Sick. the zero five five and you got the six nine. I was I was kind of worried when you got to the A, man. I was like, yeah, oh. I know. <laughs> yeah, he almost won with the at symbol Oof. for for that, and then Rob didn't get that. So hell um, yeah. So, so number six. Z tries to catch Sorrento off guard with a little Halliday knowledge and ask him about these two John Hughes directed films. What films were these? And you get one point for each film. And they were Ferris Bueller's Day Off and The Breakfast Club. Mm. So both of you guys got that right. Damn. Um, at James Halliday's funeral, uh, he had a theme. And the theme was Star Trek. Both of you guys got that right. Dang. Number eight. What was on Parzival's belt buckle? Thundercats. Ho! Hey. Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 um, Number nine, during the first race for the Copper Keys, Z chooses to be in the back of the race. Why is this? And both of you guys got this right, to collect coins for fuel and or gas. And uh, number 10, the final question was, on what planet or world did the final battle take place? And the world was planet Doom. And both of you guys got that right. So, with... Uh, everything tallied up. Randy wins by a point. What? Yeah. Yeah. Randy Hell wins by yeah. a point. Randy boy missed the first one. Uh, he didn't. He did not get the loyalty centers, but Rob missed two by missing the password. Boss man sixty nine. That was two points. Yeah, yeah, I told you. Yeah, for spelling and getting it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, there you go, yeah, Randy. No. Randy won. Yay! <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> yeah, that was dope, dude. The the Goro scene, like I was telling Rob, like that was, um, I had no idea that was gonna happen because that was in the book, but I was thoroughly surprised that it was actually allowed in the movie because it was killing two birds with one stone with that reference. I mean, you have Goro from yeah. Mortal Kombat. Then you have the alien coming out of the Goro, like from the movie Alien. Like, yeah, what the hell? Like, that was pretty dope. Mr. Spielberg, sir, hats off to you. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, and right, how well. ill is the uh, behind the scenes going to be for this movie? <laughs> All the oh, special yeah. features and stuff. They're going to be ill. I don't know if you guys have seen any of the production stuff, but they did have like you know they did do like mocap for the oh yeah the I saw characters that too. and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it's going to be interesting to see, man. Um, so uh, before we head out, I just want to mention once again, um, if you guys haven't already, please click the subscribe on iTunes. It'll hook you up with the rest of our back catalog. Oh, um, and Google also, Play. And, and Google Play. That's right. <laughs> um, and also, yo, please leave us a, a rating or comments. Uh, drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing. If there's any um, subjects or, or things that you guys want us to review or want us to mention, um, definitely let us know. Hit us up. And, uh, yeah, so thanks again for listening to our review of Ready Player One. Um, you guys can also, sorry, besides the uh, 
uh, iTunes, Google Play Music, and Podbean. You can also email us directly at the Lounge SD. That's T H E L O U N G E S D at gmail.com. Um, you've been listening to the Lounge SD. I'm Rob. I'm Alan. And I'm Randy. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Uh, 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 uh,